welcome to the Workbench Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jim Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season on the podcast, we're pausing to remember and reflect. Remember the key people and events in the good and hard seasons of life and reflect on God's provision, goodness, and grace. We'll hear from old and new friends, even some that are no longer living, about God's unchanging nature through it all. Today on the podcast, we're chatting with Brett Andrews, the Director of People Development at YFC Canada. We are chatting about one of his dead mentors, Eugene Peterson. It's a really awesome conversation about living for the glory of God, not for people. It's inspiring, it's fun, and we know you'll enjoy. So make some minestrone soup, lather up in sunscreen, because some protection. Do whatever you need to do and enjoy today's episode. And above all, we just pray that you would be glorified in and through this. I pray that for the people who listen to this, that they would be encouraged, that they would be challenged by the life of Eugene Peterson. And um, yeah, that you just give us peace in the words to say here. We love you. Thank you. Amen. 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 Well, Brett, welcome back to the podcast. Well, thank you. I guess it means we did an okay job. We didn't uh, <laughs> poke and prod too much last time that you were willing to come back. So. Yeah. No, you didn't have to. That was good. <laughs> well, we, we typically do some fun facts for people when they are uh, coming in to, to do things. But since we've already gone through some of those things last time, we were here to get to know you. We're just going to ask about current favorites. So Sure. Get your, your all the things. So current favorite podcasts. Huh. Uh Ask NT Wright anything. Oh, yeah. yeah Renovare, the liturgists, um, work friends. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I've heard of that it's one. here on my phone. Look one. at that. So, um, podcast. So, yeah, different ones. James Bryan Smith's um, Things Above is a big one. So, mm. yeah, but I kind of listen everywhere. Yeah, so. no, I haven't actually heard of most of those ones except for Ask and T Write Anything, which I do like. Yeah. So we'll have to add those to our list. We'll have to come back and get them all written out. Yeah. Um, favorite movies or TV shows? Wow. Current ones, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, I started watching Reacher. I don't know if it's a favorite one, but I'm, I'm uh, interested on Prime. Let's see. Um, movies. It's been so long. Like I just think about the old ones, <laughs> like Goodwill Hunting and stuff that are my favorites. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, nothing current coming to mind mm. on that one. So that's okay. Yeah, uh, I watch a lot of sports. Oh, so, okay, yeah. gotcha. What's your favorite sport to watch? Soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the ideal thing on a Saturday morning to mm. have a nice long coffee. Read a newspaper, watch... Uh, the beautiful game. The beautiful game. You've got it, Jen. <laughs> Taught you well. That's great. <laughs> yes. That's so cool. that's nice. And then uh, in the evening, you watch the Leafs if all mm, is going well. But, right. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So. Mm-hmm. Current favorite music? Hmm. Jazz. Uh, oh. Gregory Porter, who's an artist whose concert we were supposed to go to two years ago. And it got canceled because of the pandemic. Right. And it's been rescheduled twice, and now it's rescheduled for June 30th, which is Ooh. the day NMC starts. Oh, oh that's right. Our <laughs> national ministry conference, so I'm oh, going to miss no. it again. So I'm a little I'm a little bent out of shape about Shit. that. But, uh, yeah. So he's, he's kind of the biggest thing in jazz right now. Gotcha. Yeah, very cool. My only real experience with jazz, well, my great aunt was really into jazz. We hear it sometimes, but my old pastor was in like a like a cover band. Oh. So sometimes they would come lead worship for things. And I remember like my whole family came for like, I don't know if it was baptisms or Easter, one or the other. Yeah. And like they like basically led worship in like almost jazzy, bluesy, like. Yeah. No. It was jazzy, bluesy. We're going to use those like, I don't know if yeah. you could really Technical call terms. it. Ja- kind of a spectrum. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah, I like I'm it. I'm not sure it would like be due diligence <laughs> yeah. to name it into one genre but uh yeah so that's yeah my jazz only. is my first like what i listen to my wife and i have wine cheese and jazz night every uh, thursday night and uh, so that's what we so usually fun. listen to but i mm. have a pretty eclectic mm-hmm. gathering on my uh, 
phone. So yeah, mm-hmm. John Mayer and all sorts of different yeah. things like that. So, gotcha. We can yeah. get on board with that. That's good. Yeah. And current favorite books or book? Oh boy, current favorite books. Um, I'm reading an awful lot right now. So anything by Peter May. I'm a big mystery guy, and he's a. Um, I I like to read outside of stuff for work. I just find mm. people who are just reading things about leadership and work get kind of boring. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just a nice outside interest and I can, you know, stop thinking about work or how I would teach something. Mm. Um, so anything by Peter May. I'm also reading, um, I can't remember the title though, but by the Gaultiers, it, um, it's a soul-shaping book that's really good. But mm. Yeah, ask me later. I'll find you the uh, title of that one. So Sounds good. Yeah. Right now I'm listening, on the way here, I was listening to Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes. Have you guys listened to that? Oh. Mm -mm. It's quite fascinating. So um, just talking about how we miss some things in the Bible because of our cultural Mm -hmm. background, right? Mm -hmm. So we miss some of those things like why... For instance, the Pharisees were trying to publicly shame Jesus because he had humiliated them publicly. So it wasn't, they could have killed him, but they wanted to make sure that he was publicly shamed Mm. and embarrassed first. So just some nuances like that that are very interesting. So, Mm. or how we typically uh, misunderstand, you know, Revelation chapter three, the church in Laodicea, or is it Revelation two? And Christians for decades have felt guilty because we're not passionate enough, right? We say, you know, don't be lukewarm. But the passage was, if the first readers heard that, they knew that on one end of um, the city, Jesus uses two different towns. Yeah. But one town was known for its freshwater springs and the other was known for its hot baths. And he's saying, be like one or the other, be a healing presence or a restorative presence um, but we say, oh, just be lukewarm, and then people who aren't passionate feel terrible. Right. But that's not what it was about. So, anyways, yeah. it's very interesting. Yeah. Some of the insights in it. So, cool. there to you add go. that to the list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we just give you the mic? Just tell us what <laughs> life looks like for you right now. Yeah. What's new? Some exciting things happening. Well, right now it's kind of crazy because we're. The spring is always crazy for our team in people development because we have Summer Institute and uh, at the end of May and then we have the National Ministry Conference at the end of June and it's been really hard to plan conferences knowing what restrictions are there and (laughs) who can travel and who not. Um, So we're gearing up for those things. Very excited about National Ministry Conference and uh, A.J. Svoboda. That's a book I just read that I really loved called After Doubt. Okay. Um, How to talk about deconstruction without uh, losing your faith, basically. So that'll be um, an important topic at our national conference. I just find people, well, particularly your age, who are, you know... um, deconstructing or trying to figure out what does faith look like in this present age. Mm -hmm. Um, And rather than dismissing those conversations or denying that they're there, the the desire is to get it out in public and that we come away um, from NMC, National Ministry Conference, thinking that falling deeper in love with Christ. Mm -hmm. So that's the goal of it. Yeah. Cool. Then we got another little project where we're working with the Americas team, so all the Caribbean countries and South American, Central American countries, and we're planning a gathering in Jamaica in November. And Ooh. so, um, yeah, I'm going to be heading up the content for that. So organizing keynote speakers and workshops and learning opportunities. So that's um, Fun. yeah. So this is really a busy. Season Just right a now, few so things going a lot on. going through my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's fun stuff. It's exciting. So, yeah. um, just hope it comes together. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yes. And last time you were here, you were talking about your son having a baby. Yes, um, yeah. So, Katie, my daughter in law, and Brendan had their baby March 9th, a little girl named Isla. Isla, Isla Violet, and uh, we got to go out and meet her at the end of March. and 
she's pretty fantastic. So uh, <laughs> that's so exciting. Yeah, she just started smiling last week, so we're getting the pictures of that. Aww. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, to hear more about your story, mm-hmm. people can pause this episode and go listen to episode forty. Is when we last chatted with you. Right. Um, what, really? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I don't know what episode probably this is. Like around episode sixty-seven or something. You've done twenty-seven since then. Wow. Or something like that. Because we wild. just this Monday at one well, at the time of this being recorded. This Monday is going to be episode sixty-three or sixty-four. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank Pretty you. fantastic. You should have wow. a party at 100. Or something, oh my right? goodness. I can't wait. Yeah. That would be fun. Maybe we could just have it at NMC. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Can no, you get we... in 30 by then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, might be a little day. Start cramming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, so go listen back to hear more about your story, Brett. Sure. Um, but today I'm really excited because this is another Dead Mentors uh, episode. And so I think, again, Ainsley and I have had lo- many, many conversations about the importance of um, reflecting and looking back in general, but also to learning from people from the past mm. um, because there's a lot of richness. So um, for you, when did you become interested in studying people from the past? Yeah, I think probably about 25 or 30 years ago. Um, I think when I was first with YFC or when I first became a Christian, I didn't value anything from the past, like written mm. prayers or when people would talk about writers from the past, I thought, yeah, that's okay. But I was just interested in what was current and um, hot and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and looking back, I was arrogant, for lack of a better word. Um, so then I found myself just reading people like C.S. Lewis and quoting him and, uh, you know, became part of my story. You know, he would talk about, he just said some brilliant things that have lasted for decades. And, you know, he talked about forgiveness and don't, and he would say, you know, don't wait until your heart feels like forgiving someone, but actually f- forgive them and treat them like you've already forgiven them and then your heart will follow, mm-hmm. right? Which is great, Um great way to live so that was kind of the yeah I noticed a shift then so yeah when I started to really value people um, whose work had lasting effect right Mm. it wasn't just the latest fad or church growth Mm -hmm. um, sound bite or whatever the case was so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's been a lot of conversations I mean this is one of the reasons we're even and talking about this but Jen and I like it just comes up all the time recently about this reminder to like look backwards at some of the things and, and exactly right. Even like, you know, I go to a conference and you hear all these speakers and you think, Oh, I want to buy all their books. Like you get so excited. (laughs) And I mean, there are some great things out there too, but even just learning about like, well, I mean, even you mentioned about this, like, you know, things that we consider like lukewarm or stingy or whatever, like, I went to Catholic school, so I used to go mm. to mass all the time. Yeah. And I used to kind of begrudge some of that. Like, yep. And now I look back and realize some of the just amazing practices that they exemplify that we just, yeah. mm-hmm. in the Protestant church, don't understand. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, even written prayers being one of them and mm. realizing that you're like, I used to like look, be like, oh, that's like, you don't do that. Like, that's just so stupid. Or that's yeah. just so like where's your faith? Like you're just reading something somebody else wrote and like, you know, all these things and being Mm. like, wow, there's like a, a richness to people of the past's faith that we just sometimes miss for like the, just being critical instead of all the things we have to point out. Yeah. And we, and we think, you know, they don't have a sincere, lively faith or Mm -hmm. that's, you know, how I used to think at least. And then, but now I realize that no, no, these people took time and paused you know, for hours or days mm. and came up with very thoughtful, meaningful prayers that weren't flippant. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, we were mm. camping this summer with my uh, daughter-in-law, Katie, and she, you know, said thanks for the food before a meal at our campsite. <clears throat> and so she said this beautiful prayer. And I said, wow, Katie, that was beautiful. And she goes, yeah, my dad wrote that um, for camping. It, but the prayer was full of honoring God for mm. his creativity and his beauty and his generosity. And so, so some of those dead mentors are written prayers that they're thoughtful, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're not uh, flimsy 
of the moment things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although some of the moment prayers can be beautiful. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's cool. Well, we are going to spend some time today diving into the life of Eugene Peterson. Mm. Um, so just give us a little bit of an intro to how you were introduced to him. When did you learn about him and why would he be one of your favorite dead mentors? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think probably about 30 years ago, I was with some friends and YFC friends. And at that time, um, the Psalms was all that was published of the message. And um, I remember reading it and thinking, oh, man, this is full of, you know, graphic, meaningful words and language that flows poetically. And, and just, um, and if you think about the Psalms, you know, in their original context, when they were said, like, they're full of the gamut of emotions, right, from anger to love to beauty to sorrow, lament, all those things are in there. And, and um, I hadn't studied the Psalms an awful lot, but Peterson made um, understanding the Psalms approachable and beautiful mm. for me. So it kind of opened up a whole new world for me um, to read it in language that I was comfortable with. So, yeah, and then I just began to read and hear more about him, and and uh, he he really shied away from the limelight. So, he, he, you know, he wasn't somebody who was always in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we think of today, there's lots of leaders who have, you know, a huge social media presence and they work very hard to, you know, drip on the public, I think is the marketing term. Mm. Um, but Peterson won nothing to do with that. He was actually yeah. kind of cantankerous about that. So, um <laughs> But he just had this real love of language that um, was appealing to me. So, mm. yeah. Hmm. So, set the stage. What did his life look like? When did he? When was he born? Wow! All okay. these things. <laughs> I know it's so yeah. hard. I'm like, dang, how do we cover somebody's whole life and like yeah. the span of the amount of time we're going to be talking about this? Yeah. But. Well, he died in in 2018, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Um, so. You know, he was a pastor for 29 years, but, but he had been born in Montana in the mountains um, in a little town, uh, Calistad, I think it's called. And he would return there every summer while he pastored in Bel Air, Maryland. Um, mm-hmm. So he was a real outdoors guy, a camping person, loved creation, loved knowing the name of plants and, mm-hmm. you know, um, insects and flowers and all sorts of things. So, um, and he grew up in this family where his mom was actually a Pentecostal preacher, um, and she was quite a force. And her dad was his dad was a butcher, who was kind of probably typical of men in those days. Um, you know, he wasn't a, a big emotional guy, and I think Peterson probably felt his dad was a bit distant, although they did um, come closer in later years. Um, so he had this faith formation as a child in the Pentecostal movement and then went away to study at Seattle Pacific University. And people don't know this about him because there's critics of the message who will, you know, who say, um, you know, he didn't really translate this and Mm. they don't value the message. But what they don't know about him is that he was actually a, a scholar. He did his master's degree in Semitic languages, so he knew not just Greek and Hebrew, but five different languages mm. of that period that were ancient languages, and he knew Aramaic, which is what Jesus um, spoke often, or you know, we hear some verses in um, the Gospels that are Aramaic, right? Mm. So... He, he wasn't a lightweight, and so people kind of dismiss him um, as that, but he really had a heart mm-hmm. to help the common man, you know, um, approach God. So he <clears throat> was moving one time, and there was a guy named Joe the Mover, <laughs> and who spent a lot of time at his house, and a third of the truck was Eugene's library. And so this guy said, like, you really read this much? <laughs> and they just got talking and, and talked about scripture. And Joe the Mover said, you know, 
I don't really read scripture much because I don't understand it. Mm. And so as Eugene was working through the message, and he got to know Joe and about his family and his life and so on, um, but Joe the mover sort of became his poster boy for writing the message. Mm. So, you know, if Joe the mover can understand this scripture, um, then I've made it accessible to people, which yeah. was really his heart. So that's, mm. he wanted it to be read for the common person, right? Yeah. So um, that's, a, that's a great goal, I think. Mm. But yeah. So... Yeah, he pastored for 29 years, um, a little Presbyterian church, and which grew, but it was never like humongous. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were after him to, you know, take prestigious university posts at Princeton and different places, and he never did, I think, until about 19 or 2002. Anyway, he took a seven-year stint at Regent College from 2002 to 2009, I believe. Okay. So, um, But he did not want the limelight. He didn't want to be known as a celebrity pastor, kind of. He spoke out rather critically about mm. that whole thing. Um, yeah. And so, as a matter of fact, he uh, I don't know if you ever heard that Bono became a close friend of his. Oh, no. So Bono read the message and then through contacts, eventually wrote a letter to Eugene saying, I'd like to meet you. And Eugene Peterson said, who's Bono? (laughs) And he dismissed it. Um, He said, because I felt called to translate Isaiah at this time. Wow. Um, So later, if you look it up on the internet, actually, there's a very cool video vignette of Bono visiting um, Eugene at his uh, home on the lake in Montana. And they just embrace very warmly. And mm. yeah, so it's beautiful. This guy, Eugene Peterson, really helped shape the faith of Bono, too. So, wow. yeah. How about that? Two unlikely worlds kind of converging yeah. together. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I don't like to be honest, like I, I know um, Eugene Peterson, but I don't know much about him. So, a lot of those things are kind of a. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And even think about that, like our cultural moment and some of those things that he talks about that kind of you see make sense now. I mean, like you said, he didn't die that long ago or anything no. like that at all. Um, yeah. And yet you think, huh, maybe, maybe you were onto something with some of those yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, what would you say are a few main lessons that we can take away from his life? Hmm. Yeah. I, I think, you know, like a lot of friends in youth for Christ or pastors that I know, he did, um, you know, he spent his first years just working really hard to please those in his congregation, and he mm. would go months without an evening off or anything. And, and, and as you can imagine, his wife and children resented that um, yeah. for a time and, you know, wondered where was dad. And, and it exhausted him, and he found that he actually had no real joy in ministry at that time. And I can't remember what it is that happened exactly, but there was this shift for him where he began to reflect deeply and contemplate um, who Christ was. And then he shifted his whole um, focus of ministry away from trying to please everybody to actually dwelling deeply with Christ. So he became known as, you know, I think he wrote a book called The Contemplative Pastor. Um, so he would become known for being in his office all by himself, um, you know, praying on his knees, uh, every morning. He just, he wrote a book later called Eat This Book, which was about scripture. Um, and it's a shift away from reading scripture to understand facts and information and to prove our doctrine, um, but to recognizing that Christ is alive mm. uh, in his word and um, just to reflect on Jesus and be with him. So it became more about relationship. And that's one of the things he had in mind as he wrote the message too, is he wanted it to be relational um, scripture. So that was you know, a real shift away from the mind to the heart and you know, being in relationship deeply with Christ, which, which I find interesting even for us in youth ministry because we often talk about, um, 
encouraging people to have a relationship with Christ. And, and what that unfortunately means often is that, you know, surrender your life to Christ. And then we kind of leave them hanging there with mm-hmm. not knowing how to have a relationship. And yeah. so Peterson's kind of mission for the rest of his life became more about, I want to help people to encounter Christ. Mm-hmm. And that became his greatest um, goal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that makes him quite admirable for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not the latest leadership principle or the latest... Uh, I've lived through the church growth movement, so not the latest fad to market your church or whatever, but it's actually helping people to dwell richly in mm. Christ. So, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. good. It's so fascinating to me how easy it is to miss that point, like yeah. the point of, mm. yeah, not just to know. I mean, like knowledge is important, mm-hmm. but to dwell with him, to be with him. I've been, mm. I've been thinking about that lately. I'm like, ooh, Jen, are you more focused about just like, yeah, like learning things so that you can like teach it or yeah. whatever it is? <laughs> like, are you really missing the point here? And it's convicting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so also yeah. like humbling and like knowing that other people before, like this is not just a gen thing. This no. is a human thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so easy to miss that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, I mean, you've touched on it, but like how has mm-hmm. Eugene's story impacted you personally as mm-hmm. you, yeah, over the years, as you have read his books and studied his life and yeah. Yeah. I think that that shift has happened for me too. And, 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 um, I'm nowhere near the kind of person that he was, but mm. that, um, you know, I'm practicing different things in what I would say is the contemplative um, approach to spirituality where I'm dwelling on scripture at length or um, I'm, I'm a prayer has been the most difficult discipline for me forever. Um I can do it well when I'm with other people. What I mean by that is I can sit long and enjoy that. Um, But uh, now, you know, to quiet my heart, I'm practicing something called breath prayers. I don't know if you know Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. that is. But, um, you know, just inhaling um, Jesus is Lord. And then on the exhalation, um, Lord, have mercy on me. Right? So... And you do that for a little while, and it has this wonderful calming effect and actually helps me focus on Christ as opposed mm. to what I need to get done or asking him to bless you know, my initiatives or, or whatever the case. It's mm-hmm. just a real yeah. being in the presence of God has become far more important than... Well, we spend so much of our lives... Um, inactivity being human doings, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, as opposed to human beings. And I just, um, I was going to say the older I get, I don't think so. But the, the longer <laughs> I'm I'm with Christ, the more I desire just to be with him as opposed. And you can do that to the exclusion of doing, too. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's a danger. But I really want to know Christ deeply and have him order my steps. Mm. So... Yeah. So that they're lasting. Yeah. yeah. Just curious as you're talking, has that shifted for you a lot? Like, I mean, I don't know what your mindset or thing might've been the same as this. Mm. Like, cause you used to teach at a Bible college, right? Yeah. So would your approach to things be different than what you used to do? Or would it be kind of just, it's all been kind of a forming of in the same direction, just getting better at it. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, there was always that element because I was never, probably to a fault, I didn't teach much about programming mm. in Bible college So, um, because I just found it to be so much more important um, who we were in Christ, what our character was, yeah. um, and being actually present uh, with youth, you know, mm-hmm. not distracted by so many things. So... Um, yeah, I wanted people to know Christ deeply. And actually, I was really happy when a student, you know, would say to me at the end of the year, he said, you know, I just feel like we've learned to know God better. And so mm. for me, that was very yeah, humbling and satisfying. It wasn't necessarily intentional either. It's just, um, but yeah, it's important to me that yeah. we know God deeply because that, 
uh, if we're actually present with people, um, I think that goes a long way and makes up for a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Peterson actually had this thing. It's funny when he was at Regent, he would mentor um, students, male and female, and they would. There are a couple of occasions where somebody would come into his office and he'd be sitting looking out the window and he would motion for them to sit in a chair beside him and they'd be together for 45 minutes and he wouldn't say a word. Hmm. And they're just looking out and then the person would wow. say how weird that felt at first, but yeah. then just being with him, uh, how encouraging that was and how safe it felt. And then they hmm. would have some very deep conversations and deep times of prayer. And But he wasn't in a hurry. Like it, it yeah. just... Uh, and so part of that is, you know, I aspire to that. I'm not yeah. always there, but I, to me, that's, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you could give somebody um, that ability to feel like, you know, they're the only one in the room, you know, yeah. or the only one, I, I, that's a gift to me. So if yeah. you could give that to a teenager um, who doesn't feel like they're loved or whatever, but you personify that for them and lead them to Christ in that sense. Mm. Um, that's a beautiful gift. Yeah. So, yeah. We don't talk about presence enough. I don't no. Know. no. So. I remember when I first started meeting with Karen Bott. <laughs> yeah, and she always, I know, I was like, I know Jen's <laughs> going to say the same thing. And she would always just say, like, we're just going to start off our times with silence. And whenever <laughs> you feel like you're ready, you can just say Amen. And of course, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> First time, I'm like, what's the appropriate amount of time to sit in silence? Yeah. Like, is she going to be like waiting for me? Is like, is one minute too short? Is five minutes too long? How do I know <laughs> if I'm ready? Like, just all these things. And yeah, the first time it was like, oh my, okay, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Um, and then to get to it now, like Jen and I would say like that appreciation for just setting aside time to allow ourselves to be quieted before God for him to guide the things that we talk about. And I was like, that was a huge thing, but it was definitely awkward at first, but it's like, huh, like there's something to be learned in this moment. Yeah. And it's okay to be silent. Yeah. And, And, uh, she was probably aiming for five minutes. But, uh. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, I was thinking that, but I'm like, am I less spiritual if I say amen now? How yeah. about now? Now. Yeah. Now? So, mm, yeah. I don't know. We've come to appreciate a lot more yeah. than, yeah, yeah, that we originally you, did. Yeah. And it's interesting. I was meeting with somebody for spiritual direction this week, like listening to them and guiding them. And we did a quiet exercise, but this mm. person ha- is, you know, um, hyperactive. And so two minutes of silence and breath prayer was great for them. <laughs> so you really have to know the person before you. Yeah. And it's about how do you best come before Christ and enjoy his presence as opposed to trying to fill every moment with noise, mm. right? Or oh my goodness. Yeah. Something, so. Yeah. I think too, yeah. like having it, somebody like we can do that on our own, but I think what I learned by doing it with care, care and initiating it is that it's not just my faith. It's our faith. Mm. Like it's mm. us coming to, to Jesus to intentionally listen and to be before him. Cause I think that's the other thing I'm like, Ooh, like we are really good at having our own individual faith that we sometimes forget that it's like we, the church, not me, the church. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I didn't realize how much you, like I would actually glean from spending time in silence, whether it's just me personally mm. or with another person, but it is a good yeah hard <laughs> practice. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking of the, you know, cause this doesn't all have to be done alone. Right. I, I was, mm-hmm. you know, ref, to reference AJ Savota again, mm-hmm. um, in his book after doubt, he uses this phrase, which intrigues me. And he, he said some, at sometimes in our faith journey, we need to borrow the faith of another. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've all gone through this pandemic and it's been difficult to know who your community is or to connect with them, but it's really important. Um, you know, if you listen to my last podcast or my story where there was, you know, a lot of loss and trying to figure out where is God in all of this, mm-hmm. to meet with other people who were sure of his goodness and his presence and his love meant the world to me, right? Yeah. So. The journey with another person is really valuable, mm-hmm. but but we live in this intensely individual society, and we, 
have this intensely Western understanding of what faith is, that it's individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, I think sometimes that's harmful or we mm-hmm. miss out on the, the breadth of people and how God has wired them. Yeah. yeah. So totally. And collective wisdom. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's been something for me. I mean, I'm curious if your your book that's talking about uh, reading the Bible through your your Western lens about even how much that I ended up getting roped into um, preaching about Lamentations a while ago. Oh yeah, um, yeah. kind of last minute. <laughs> yeah, and um, I was given a book called Prophetic Lament, and it was about the idea of like lamentations is like corporate lament. It's actually, yeah. it's on behalf of other people almost. Mm. And, and it has reframed a lot. And even like I was talking to a friend and he was like, you know, I really think we would naturally lament for other people if we lived in community with one another mm. um, in these things of just, yeah, like how we can just learn about how to, to sit in the gap for other people in those things and not having the right things to say, but just like you said, human beings with yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge just to sit quietly with others. and <laughs> Yeah. We don't do it. So. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us, not any names, Ainsley, <laughs> maybe are working on their tendency to fill in all the quiet spaces. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You made me think of a story in, in Malcolm Gladwell's book, uh, Outliers. I don't know if you've read any of his stuff, but he, he's a fascinating storyteller, but he tells the story of this place in Pennsylvania that has the lowest rate of heart disease in the world. Hmm. And so he, they look at all the reasons why they research, is it their diet? Um, you know, they, they live at a higher altitude. Is that the reason why do they exercise more than other communities? And, and the only thing they could find at the end of the day was, the people who lived in this town had emigrated en masse from Italy. And so, and they've stayed together in this town in three generations so that mm. when, you know, Jen has a problem, um, she has a mother and a grandmother and relatives to talk about it with. Mm. And that decreases stress. And that's the only factor they could find, um, you know, to say that these to account for their great um, heart health. So wow. interesting. Just the importance mm. of, of another person. Wow. So. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, one last kind of question about specifically Eugene, I, um, and this wasn't on the list of questions, but just what would you say are like some of your favorite reads or... Mm. learnings from Eugene that you Yeah, well, Eat This Book is really good. And and I I, I do want to say that there are people out there who are really uncomfortable with a contemplative approach to life, and they they read scripture because they want to get more facts and stuff. Mm. Um, And they might think that a contemplative way is not objective enough, like it's too subjective. Right. Um, But it really is about a relationship with Christ, which is what Peterson offers to us, you know, what he Hmm. gives us. I think that's the value of what he's contributed, that this is a relationship um, meant to affect the heart. So I want to acknowledge for some people that's uncomfortable, but not to give up. You know, there's so much more. Facts are good too, obviously, and Hmm. we want to have, you know, good doctrine and good understanding about, you know, theology and people and so on. But um, I, I think we're missing a whole world if we don't um, approach Scripture in a relational way. Mm. So again, if you read the Psalms, these are people who had deep relationships with God, mm. but really let them have it sometimes. Like, where are you? Um, even think of the book Habakkuk, um, mm. you know, where he's crying out, like, how long will these people be in despair? How long will we have to suffer? Um, and, and then finally God answers and says, um, you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> and who are you to question me? So there's this dialogue going on. Mm. But we, we skip such large portions of scripture that are relational mm. because we want these propositions sometimes. So I think Peterson has really tried to encourage us to say, no, um, 
seek after God in a relational way. So um, I, I think that's his great, one of his great contributions. There's a book, Leap Over a Wall, which is about um, David, which is one of my favorites. Um, Working the Angles, Run with the Horses. There's so, he published over 50 books, so there's an awful lot there. Um, reflections on the Psalms and so on. But uh, yeah, I was thinking it would be okay if I just read a short portion of the message from yes, John that absolutely. I love. So just, you know, to get a taste for him. So uh, we're all familiar with John chapter 1, but he said, The Word was first, the Word present to God. God present to the Word, the Word was God, in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through Him, nothing, not one thing came into being without Him. What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness, the darkness couldn't put it out. Isn't that beautiful? Mm. Blazed out of the darkness. Then later it says, the Word became flesh and blood, speaking of Jesus, and moved into the neighborhood. Mm. <laughs> we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. And you think about that if you know we want to know who God is or people are wondering who God is. And I l- lament this so much in our present day that they that the public sees largely ugly pictures of Christians, mm-hmm. um, you know, associating them with nationalism or anger or whatever. But if you really want to know what God is like, he's like Jesus, yeah, <laughs> right? Um, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that, that's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. And I would, any day rather communicate that to people than the ugly sound bites they're hearing. Yeah. So of course. Yeah. I really appreciate, I mean like that passage, like very people, I think in general, very familiar in the church Mm -hmm. with that, but reading the message, which I don't often Mm -hmm. every once in a while I do, it causes me to stop and to really slow down and actually Mm -hmm. like, well, what we were talking about, like meditate yeah. and sit and contemplate what it actually means beyond just yeah. like, oh yeah, John three sixteen, yeah. <laughs> ramble it off, good to go. You know, I was like, wait a second, this is actually a huge deal. Yeah. And um, I really appreciate that about Peterson's writing. It's like, it slows me down. Even as you're reading now, I'm like, whoa, yeah, yeah. this is true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his rendering of John 3... 16 and 17, you know, that conversation with Nicodemus is beautiful mm. too, right? When he, yeah, Jesus says, I, you know, the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world would have life through him. Um, yeah, you should read it in the message sometimes too. It's mm. just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and his his real goal was to make the words understandable to people. And I, And I think about it this way myself sometimes that, if I was trying to communicate to a person who spoke Italian and I said, I feel melancholy, well, it's a difficult word, right? So there might not be a word that translates exactly in Italian, but you would want to get across the concept and the picture of what that means Mm because it's loaded. And uh, Peterson was trying to make that word of God understandable to everybody so that people Mm -hmm. could draw closer to Christ. So. Mm it's pretty amazing yeah Mm -hmm. I will give you the final say anything else that you want to share about Eugene Peterson (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, yeah he he was he was a misunderstood person and and I think it hurt him at times because um, he received some horrific um, criticism people you know and who just felt like he was not literally interpreting scripture or not um, active enough or whatever criticisms they would take out of context. Mm. And we do that a lot. But he um, he kept at his mission desiring to make Jesus known to everybody so that people would experience Christ up close and personal, um, that they would have an encounter with him. That became his greatest Goal, and I think that's a, that's a pretty worthy 
thing to emulate. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well said. I kind of want to pick up all of his books now. <laughs> <laughs> all 50. Yeah. That might take me a little bit. But yeah. 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 Start with three or four. Yeah. yeah. That sounds good. I'll take your recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in general, as you have studied people from the past, mm. how has God changed or how, yeah, I'm going to reword that. Take this out. <laughs> mm-hmm. How has your view of God's goodness, grace, and provision changed? Wow. <laughs> Easy breezy question <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a question that I only see answered kind of in the rearview mirror, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I look back and say, okay, I can see how God used different authors. Um, you know, Henry now, and I think somebody else is talking about that person in one of your podcasts, aren't they? I don't think so. I don't oh, think so. You should. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no kidding, eh? Um, but but he said, I, I heard him speak in 1991 um, in Toronto, and he wrote four little phrases on a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. You know, and he said, Jesus, he came, he suffered, he broke, um, he lived. And then he unpacked that for an hour. And like I went away thinking, oh my goodness, this is a person who knows Christ so deeply. I'm just scratching the surface. Mm. Um, so I think an appreciation of these people who have gone before and remained faithful to Christ in the end, and not without their foibles, like mm. you know, um, in his biography of Peterson, when Collier tells of Eugene struggling with. Uh, alcohol abuse, you know, that was a thing he wrestled with. So th- these were very human people, mm-hmm. um, but they sought after Christ and, and Jesus met them, um, and they have a wonderful legacy for us. So, mm. yeah, or Mother Teresa, you know, who was, you know, by many accounts, a grumpy old lady, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> like pretty cantankerous. Um mm-hmm. But I remember one time an American businessman asked her, um, you know, talking about all these people that she had cared for in her orphanage, and he asked her, well, how many of you led to Christ? And, and, and she said, she paused and then thought, all of them, right? So there's this substance to her, like everybody she came into contact with, she was in showing mm. or speaking the love of Christ, and... Mm. You know, Bill Clinton said this is the only person that he's ever met um, that made him nervous. Hmm. And so you think about this little four foot ten woman um, <laughs> because she carried a certain authority um, because of her deep love for Christ. So, yeah, I think we can we can learn an awful lot from these people who have gone before us, and hmm. yeah, not perfect, but they point um, us to keep seeking after God, because he, he is more for us. You know, my favorite passage in Scripture uh, is Ephesians three fourteen through 21, where mm-hmm. Paul says, you know, I, for this reason I kneel before the Father, that you may be rooted and established, that you may know the surpassing love of Christ, even though it's unknowable. So that, well, that's a weird phrase. So <laughs> you might know love, but it's unknowable. And I, so the idea is there's always more. Yeah. Right? We can always go deeper. There's always mm. things in our lives that we can draw closer to Christ by the power of his spirit. So, yeah, these people who've gone before us have a lot to share with us. Yeah. Mm. Final question. Okay. <laughs> season. Okay. <laughs> For this season, for this episode, how is God forming you in this season right now? Wow. How long do we have? <laughs> we have time. <laughs> Again, people are like, oh, how long do you want episodes to be? I'm like, however long we want. <laughs> so Yeah. Yes. So I, I shared, you know, a little bit in the last po- podcast because it's so important, my journey through grief of the last few years mm-hmm. um, has, has been awful. Um but it has made me more compassionate and empathetic for people who are suffering, for mm-hmm. sure. And I don't think it's all over for me, but you know, in recent months I've felt this shift, and that's why the birth of my granddaughter is so important, because mm-hmm. there's this new life has 
forming. God is still doing new things. And so when we're living in a pandemic and wondering, you know, will we ever get out? What Will life feel normal again? Um, that God is doing small things in my heart and just continuously beckoning me, inviting me to be present with him. So, um, yeah, I'm just appreciating God in a whole new way and understanding scripture um, in a much more relational and, and I think, beautiful way. So, yeah, he's forming me to, to well, it's, it's a wrestle <laughs> mm. um, to be with him and to be quiet and to hear what he has to say through his word and through other people, um, you know, through my own experience. Whatever the case, hmm. yeah. So, the, so that's beautiful. But th- there's a long way to go. So, but I'm enjoying learning more and, and communing more. Hmm. So, mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> Jen's giving me the nod to say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I feel like there's not too much we could even say to wrap that up. But just mm-hmm. you, thank you for showcasing these things to us and to other people that you know. Yeah. These things that Eugene and other people have been forming in you and God. Yeah. <laughs> that you actually show that to others too, and that's a gift. So Yeah. Thank, thank you, you for the opportunity to be with you guys and, and I love what you're doing. So yep, thank keep you. it up and uh, I'll come back again someday. Woo! <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> if you want. Yep. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. Bless you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations like this coming up that you will not want to miss. So make sure you subscribe, follow on whatever podcast platform you happen to be listening on. And you can check us out on social media at Just Work Friends on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, yeah, until next time, have a good Monday. Or whatever day you're listening to this. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.